Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Welcome to episode 373 of the Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Today, we're diving into the delicate topic of self-image and how it shapes our relationships and intimate experiences. In this exciting episode, we're joined by Rena Martin, a woman's intimacy coach and the author of The Sex You Want, A Shameless Journey to Deep Intimacy, Honest Pleasure, and a Life You Love. Before we welcome Rena, a special thank you to our sponsor, Aroha, who made this episode and our live event possible. Picture this, Valentine's Day is right around the corner and you are on the lookout for perfect intimate connection with your special someone. Well, guess what? The Smart Vibring by Aroha is exactly what you need for those romantic evenings filled with laughter, love, and pure pleasure. It's not just a sex toy, it's a conversation starter. Oh, and here's a little extra love for our sexology listeners. Click this exclusive link in the show notes and claim your free Tanga egg with your Smart Vibring purchase. Yes, you heard it right. A free gift to take your experience to the next level. Don't keep your partner waiting. Embrace the joy that Aroha brings and let your shared moment blossom this Valentine's Day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited and honored to welcome Rena Martin. Rena is an intimacy coach, author, and she has such an interesting background that we are all, I personally are intrigued to learn more about that. I was just practicing saying her name. Did I got it correctly, Rena? You got it just right, Dr. Nas. So it's Rena Martine, like <laughs> Rena Martin. drinking, drinking a martini in Reno, Nevada. So it's Rena Martine. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it, it is an easy name. What's interesting is that because it's my second language, I don't know, like I'm not familiar with how the uh, certain names are read. So thank you. Thank you for correcting me. And so tell us a little bit about how did you kind of step into the world of sex coaching because your background was different. So I'm, I'm personally, as I said, very intrigued. Sure. So my background is I'm a former deputy district attorney with the Los Angeles County DA's office. So I did that for 14 years and specialized primarily in child abuse, sex crimes, and domestic violence cases as I was doing that. Toward the end of my tenure as a DA, I was going through my own sexual shame. I was going to therapy. I was in a white picket fence kind of vanilla monogamous marriage. And I had the life that I was supposed to want, right? A lawyer, lots of friends, good relationship on paper, but it didn't feel like enough for me. And so when I came out the other end of my own personal journey, I realized that I wanted to to help people in a different way and not just you know, seeing the the pain that can come from sex, because that's so much of what my work focused on as a prosecutor, but but really the joy and the pleasure that that we can explore through through intimacy. So that's a very, very long story condensed down as short as I can possibly make it. 
But that's really what led me to where I am today. And it's been such a fun journey. I love it that you shift from helping people with sex crimes, all of those painful uh, stories that I, I used to work at a group home for children that were sexually abused. And I know that it was very painful for me. So I can only imagine that if someone was doing yes. that for a, more than a decade, that can really impact their body, their soul. So I'm sure that work was very meaningful, but I'm glad that now you're stepped into the world of pleasure. <laughs> yes, yes. And and yeah, you don't really realize that you're living in all that vicarious trauma when you're in it. And of course, I do see my fair share of, of sexual trauma too in my practice, but it's nothing compared to what I used to see on a daily basis. So yeah, you understand. <laughs> so you have a book coming out, like came out today. So, and it was just such an interesting, informative book. So tell us what motivated you to start writing the book. Yeah. So a book that just came out today, as you said, called The Sex You Want, A Shameless Journey to Deep Intimacy, Honest Pleasure, and a Life You Love. And in essence, I wrote the book that I wish I'd had at the beginning of my own journey, which I think kind of what most self-help authors do, right? But I saw that there was there were a few gaps in in the market in terms of sexual self-help books that I had spent a really long time figuring out on my own. And so I thought, well, what if I could put all of these in one book? And and I'll kind of go through what those gaps are that I saw. One is that I was getting these books and no one was telling me like, okay, go download this app. Go to this dating site, right, to find your people. This, These are conversation starters. These are the exact words you use to open up hard conversations with a partner. So I saw that there wasn't a lot of how to do the actual thing. It was just talking about the thing. I also saw that, that when we're talking about kink or non-monogamy or sexual fluidity, that those are topics that are often siloed. So you have to get a whole book on kink. You have to get a whole book on non-monogamy. And I thought, what if we could include these? Because they're so common now, as I've seen in my practice, include all of this as a beginning point for folks who are at the beginning of their journeys. Even though the book has the word sex in the title, I don't just go right into sex. I don't actually talk much about sex until second and third parts of the book, as you as you probably saw, because for us to go right into sex is missing a lot of underlying mindset issues that are probably preventing you from having that, that good sex in the first place. So we really focus on empowerment first. So it's really not just handing out Band-Aid solutions, but a really comprehensive guide to get folks on their journey. And I think most significantly what makes it different is that it's story-driven it's not me lecturing down to you from an ivory tower. It is me sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly from my own life and my clients' lives told anonymously, of course, and not resorting to creating avatars and, and kind of fake depictions of folks to get a point across. Because I've seen that the best way to dissolve shame, especially sexual shame, when it comes to women is by giving them stories of real women not hypothetical people or case study avatars. So that is really what I wanted. I wanted to meet people like me when I was feeling so alone. And so I'm hoping to give folks that through this book. 
Well, it, it really impacted me and I love the stories and I'm always more open to learning when there are stories. And, uh, you know, it's funny that like when people think sex therapists, sex coaches, I have made that assumption before that like, oh, they were born in this kind of a wild free family that were like, you know, very sex positive. But the more I talk to colleagues, the people are forefront of kind of like fighting this war against sex negativity and advocating for pleasure, people are coming from the background, like the rest of the people, right? Like, or even more conservative. I talk about my journey with my audience. So I'm so grateful that you talked about your own personal experiences. One of the things that was very interesting in the book, you talked about self-image, the impact of self-image and sexuality. We recently did a survey from our audience about what do they want to know more of. They, they said they want to be more confident in their bodies. And yes, you said, it's not necessarily having the, this trick or that like latest sex toy, right? We want to be able to confidence is something that's sexy. So tell us, based on your own experience, what you hear from your client, what is the impact of self-confidence when it comes around self-image and sexual experiences. Yeah. You know, I see a lot of folks who are like, I don't have sex with the lights on Mm -hmm. because I don't like the way I look. And so thinking, okay, well, if they can't see me, then they can't see the bad. And I'm putting that in air quotes for anyone who's listening to this, the bad parts of me. Or what they're doing is they're spectatoring, which is a term that I'm sure you know, that that basically says instead of being in your body, you're kind of mentally outside of your body and you're looking at your body from across the room and you're like, oh my God, you're criticizing and you're nitpicking your body. Like this is what the person's looking at. So if you're spectatoring, by definition, you are not present during sex. You can't fully enjoy sex. So, so that's how I see it being impacted is that People are just completely missing out on the good parts of the experience because they're criticizing their own bodies, whether they're doing it consciously or not. So what what I do is remind people of a few things. One, there are entire industries built on you having an antagonistic relationship with your body, right? Like so many, so many industries. If we were to start loving our bodies tomorrow, how many industries would collapse? And so, you know, that kind of big global understanding and also a reminder that we came into this world as little babies. We had no hangups about our bodies. And so, you know, self-love and body love isn't something we go out and find. It's actually something we were born with. And Sonia Renee Taylor, she's an author. She talks about this a lot, this concept of radical self-love. But that's really what it is, that it's not like you're going out and finding the thing. It's already within you. And we just have to kind of strip away these layers that have been piled on top of us by the media, by messages we've gotten from our families, right? They're not ours. So I I bring that as like a big picture kind of thing. And then, all right, well, so what do we do? What do we do? I have a method that I call the camp method, and I'll kind of go through it quickly in terms of creating a more loving relationship with your body, or as I say, loving your body with the lights on. So I have an entire chapter in my book called Love Your Body with the Lights On. And so the camp method, the C stands for compassion. Talk to yourself the same way that you would talk to your daughter or your niece or your best friend or even a little version of you. 
I say, pick your compassionate anchor. I have twin nieces. They are my compassionate anchor combined. So whenever I look in the mirror and I start talking shit to myself, like, oh, Rita, you can't wear that. Like, or, ooh, you're getting a little fluffy around the waist. I imagine that one of them is saying that to me. And I know it's going to sound kind of hokey, but I then would imagine what I would say to them. And I repeat that to myself. So that's the compassion, right? The A is adoration. So adoring your body. If I told folks to take off all their clothes and look in the mirror, and write down 10 things they don't like about their body, that'd be pretty easy because, again, we are trained to look for the flaws because people make money off of us looking for the flaws. So instead, what I challenge my clients to do, and I actually challenge my readers to do the same thing, is every day for a week, look in the mirror naked and write down one thing, one thing that you see that you like. And this could be, I like my eyebrows. This doesn't need to be sexually related or erogenous zones, right? But yes, it's, this might be challenging for you, but that's precisely why it's a practice. It's not a one and done thing. You're, you're training that filter, you know, glass half full instead of glass half empty to look for adoring qualities in yourself. The M is media awareness. So the TikToks you watch, the Instagram accounts you, you follow, the trash TV you watch. I mean, take a look at the media that you consume and ask yourself, does me consuming this make me feel better or worse about my body? Am I saying you need to go off social media? No, I'm not saying that. But start unfollowing accounts that make you feel bad about yourself and replace them with body positivity accounts. And it's a great that there's so many out there now. And I'll cite a study that I talk about in the book that Emily Nagoski talks about in her book, Come As You Are as well, which was done out of Fiji. And they wanted to see what effect three years of Western television would have on women and body image in Fiji. So in Fiji, the very robust form, so the larger form had been considered to be the ideal of feminine beauty forever. They send in three years of 90s American TV. So Beverly Hills 90210, Melrose Place. And within three years, eating disorder rates among teenage girls doubled. Three years. So if we think that media is not impacting us, we need to think again. The good news is we've got the power of the world in our hands, in our phones. And we can change the channel to whatever we want it to be. So that's media pers media awareness. And then the P is perspective. And I ask folks to ask themselves this question, which is think of one of the best lovers you've ever had. Did that person have a air quotes perfect body or were they just comfortable in their own skin? Because sometimes we need to be reminded that the folks we're with, they're not expecting us to have perfect bodies. And in fact, most of our sexual experiences haven't been with folks who've had perfect, again, air quotes, bodies. So just that reminder and that level of perspective can be helpful too. So that's my framework that I kind of guide people through and some of the practices that I use. Such a great framework, right? Because it incorporates the bigger picture with media awareness, with internal work, with building and cultivating self-compassion. 
And what you mentioned about media being invested in people not liking their body. This is so true. Part of my postdoc was on treatment of eating disorders. And I speak to women of all sizes, right? Like even if you are so thin and they're almost like the in a hospitalized, like people still, they don't like their body. They like if you're thin, you wish you had a more curvier body because that's what their target. If you're curvy, like they say like, oh, this is too big. And it's just like, it seems like you never win. <laughs> with that game. Exactly. And I, and I give little snippets and vignettes of a few clients in, in that chapter because exactly what you're saying. One is saying, well, I can't pursue my passion of dancing because I'm too big to do that. One saying, you know, she got teased when she was younger because she was too thin and got teased because she had small breasts. And so, you know, there's always going to be something to fix if you buy into this media narrative. And so you can spend all the money in the world on plastic surgery. You can go to the gym seven days a week. You can do all those things, but that's not ever going to fill that cup because confidence, you can't buy that. And so you really have to cultivate that loving relationship with your body as it looks today. And then of course, you know, do whatever makes you happy. If you want to get the surgery, if you want to work out, great. But don't expect that to solve the problem. I agree with you. And kind of reflecting back on my own experiences, right? Like 20 years ago, when I was having sex, although I was significantly smaller, with less stretch marks, like uh, kind of like a different person, but sex wasn't as amazing as it is today, right? Because mm -hmm. I learned to be in my body. And I think embodiment, feeling confident. And as you said, like working on being present, working on that shame that shows up in your body is just such a crucial part of kind of like even advocacy, right? Like changing yeah. the societal script. And I think the other part of it is that sometimes people say, oh, how, what can I do? What are some of the ideas to spice things up? And those are plenty of ideas, have landing pages, all of that. But I tell people like most often people know what they like. Sometimes because of like the shame around their body and the shoulds that they have gets in the way of them really leaning into pleasure. So I'm glad that you have that. And kind of, I love the mirror exercise. What can people do if they feel bad in the bedroom? Like, you know, in the, like as things start building up, like they want to go on top, right? That's something that at times here, oh, I hate my stomach. What can we do in the moment? Mm, great question. So obviously it's going to depend on what the specific thing is that's making you feel uncomfortable. But one thing that I suggest folks do for so many reasons and to kind of it's it's the stone that kills many birds is to experiment playing around with a sleep mask. And even though I talked about having sex with the lights on, having a sleep mask on while you're experimenting with or receiving pleasure, it's going to block out your sight, obviously. Your partner is still going to be able to see you. But it has this almost paradoxical effect of getting you out of your head and into your body when you restrict just your sight. And so start there because that is offering yourself up. And you can have the lights on, but you're not looking at anything, but you know that your partner is. So if you are somebody who's already self-conscious about different positions in the bedroom, 
I can't give you a hack that's going to take you from there to, yes, and now I'm going to be doing reverse cowgirl and I feel great about my body. (laughs) So my whole thing is baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. So start with, okay, I'm going to wear a blindfold and just be exposed and allow myself to be seen. And I don't even need to look down at myself, but I know that I'm trusting my partner to, to take in what they're seeing. And then from there, maybe you take the blindfold off. Maybe from there, you know, you dim the lights. And then maybe eventually you're getting on top and you're doing cowgirl and everything's great. But starting off with that level of exposure is how I would recommend folks do that. I love that because with sensory deprivation, as you mentioned, you heighten the rest of the senses. And what I found for myself is that it takes me away from the controlling position, right? And yes. I feel like sometimes we want your partner to lead, but we want our partner to lead, but we just like, you know, maybe too anxious, maybe kind of like, but of kind of, you have your own script, but when you have the sleep mask on, then you're kind of like, opening yourself to another world of possibility. So I personally find that very enjoyable. Yeah, it's so it's so wonderful because your only job is just to be there. It's kind of like going for a massage, right? Mm-hmm. Like my job is just to live here and exist. And it's it's a strategy that I, I also recommend to folks who are interested in dabbling in BDSM and power exchange too as a, as a nice gentle baby step and introduction. But I love me a good sleep mask. <laughs> One of the perks of being a, a sex podcasters and sex herbs, and I'm sure you can connect, relate to that, that we get so many products that we uh, we try and it's just like, I love that's one of the best perks of <laughs> this job. I have so many blinders, sleep, kind of like a BDSM ties, all sorts of the next to my bed. I was telling my husband, I never told my housekeeper what I do <laughs> every week she comes in with the box to the box of toys <laughs> I was telling my sister I wonder what she thinks that like yeah. why I'm going so through so many sex toys <laughs> right right oh my gosh I I'm curious to know how that conversation would go if you ever had it with her like what picture she's painting but I'm with you because literally I got a box today in the mail that I was not expecting filled with lube. And I just, I, I'm, I, I don't know what to do with all this lube. I have so much lube. (laughs) And like, I'm always the one who's like, use lube people. But even I don't think I can get through all the lube that these companies send me. And yes, it's like, on the one hand, the perks of getting all these great things. And on the other hand, you're like, where do I store all of this? (laughs) (laughs) I bet that she thinks I'm into everything. I have like a gag kind of thing for BDSM flocker. I have all sorts of things, yes. <laughs> all sorts of couple sex toys. So a few years past that, we're past that conversation. <laughs> but as you said, I wonder what she thinks about what's happening in my house. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but going to the kind of like back to the conversation of kind of body image, right? This can be such a delicate conversation to have with our partners because I had couples in my practice that they just don't like their partner anymore. They want some changes. And these are very, very sensitive conversations and it can create major rupture. So I was curious overall for talking about sensitive conversations, sensitive topics, what are some of the recommendations you have to make it more productive and easier for all parties involved? Yeah, I think in terms of talking about sex, 
for example, and, and things that come along with sex, like body image, you don't have to reinvent the wheel here. So I, I have an entire chapter in my book called Talk About It, because the reality is this. The data tells us that couples who are able to have conversations about sex outside of the bedroom report way higher relationship satisfaction than those who don't. And the exact study, I think, is done by the Gottmans, and it was with women. And they said women who can talk about sex comfortably outside the bedroom with their spouses, right off the bat, 50% of those women report feeling highly satisfied in their relationships. And for the women who can't, that number drops down to 9%. So being able to have these conversations isn't a nice to have. It, it could be the thing that makes or breaks your relationship. All right, Raina, that sounds great. How do I actually have the conversations? Well, no one's teaching us how to have the conversations and that's the problem. So I say, again, don't reinvent the wheel. Use technology and let technology be your friend. So there are certain apps that I recommend folks use. Paired is one, Spicer is another one, where they're the ones sending you a daily question and that's opening up the dialogue. So instead of me versus you bringing up this sensitive topic, we're both playing this game, essentially. And we're taking turns responding. There are great, you know, tangible card decks that you can get to. Lovelingual and Wonderlust are two brands that and I'm not getting paid to say any of it. Sure. That's why I, I, I bring all of this up in my book <laughs> because I'm like, people want to know where to go. <laughs> so those are two tangible card decks I recommend. So start there. Start by making this a game and gamifying the conversations, but commit, you know, with the apps, it's nice because you kind of don't have to think about it. You get an alert every day. With the cards, sometimes I'll tell couples who I'm working with, set aside 10 minutes before bed every night for the next week. And usually they'll start doing the cards with the tangible cards and they'll spend a lot longer than 10 minutes because it's fun. These are things that we're just waiting for somebody to give us permission to talk about. And so this is me giving you permission by way of pointing you to some people. And obviously my book is a great place to start too. But but I tell folks to throw me under the bus a lot. Like when I'm teaching classes and people say, I, I want to bring this up to my partner, but I don't know how to do it. For example, non-monogamy, right? And I say, well, throw me under the bus and say, I was in this class earlier today. And part of the assignment was to go out and if we're partnered to ask our partner, what are your views on monogamy? And so if you're listening right now, insert, fill in the blank, the difficult topic that you want to talk to your partner about and say, I was listening to a podcast today and I was challenged to come to you and ask what your views are on X and throw us both under the bus here. A hundred percent. I think it's just such a good way of bringing it up or sharing the episode with your partner because it's easier to as you said, point to someone else like, like about kind of like recommendation versus it can be a skill to cultivate when it comes to sh kind of show your own vulnerability. So yeah. hopefully as you're doing the cards or apps, that helps you to have those conversations easier. Well, I have a lot of things that I want to talk to you about, but we're toward the end of our show. And I know you have a great book <laughs> that you go through this topics and many more. So if our listeners want to learn from you, from your content, get the book, what are some of the places they can check it out? Sure. So you can find me on Instagram 
It's underscore Rena dot Martine underscore on there. I've got all my links. Or if you want to go directly to get my book, you can head to renamartine.com forward slash book. It's available pretty much in all the major retailers and we'll have an audio book coming out soon as well. Well, congratulations on the book. Thank you so much for your time. It was a wonderful conversation and I can't wait to hear about how, how your book is going to do. Thank you, Dr. Naz. As we wrap up today's episode, I want to leave you with a thought, especially with Valentine's Day just around the corner. Instead of getting lost in the commercial hustle or the pressure of what you think sex should look like, I encourage you to focus on how you want to feel emotionally and physically with your partner. True intimacy stems from that deep personal connection that you share with someone else or you yourself. And if you're looking for ways to deepen that bond or spice up your relationship, we got a little Valentine's gift for you. Head over to our website or the show notes to download more than 100 ways to spice up your relationship. This is completely free. You can use it to get inspiration or you can do exactly what we suggested. We have the links, all the information you would need. It's filled with creative ideas that can bring both play and pleasure into your intimate life. Who knows? You might find some new inspiration there that could make the Valentine's Day truly special. I hope today's conversation with Rena Martin has opened up new avenues for you to explore in your intimate relationships and perhaps spark the dialogue that can lead to fulfilling sexual experiences. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.